0: Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she went over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' bodies had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying?' "'They have taken my Lord away,' she said, "'and I don't know where they have put him.' At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, "'Woman, why are you crying?' Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Madeline went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her.
1: There should be a picture coming up on our screens in a moment of our new Easter series running right up to Pentecost. We kind of started it last week, but the bishop didn't really touch it, but we started it with celebrating Easter, didn't we? So all good, all good. By way of introduction, this is what the writers say about the series that we're starting. So often, Easter Sunday goes by in a blur and churches move on into other themes. We believe that Jesus' resurrection is more than a happy ending to Lent. It marks a glorious new beginning in our broken, discouraged, post-pandemic world. Are we posted? I don't know. We all need the risen life Jesus offers us. We need to go deeper into how to live as resurrection people. Jesus' friends and followers were not mere spectators on that first Easter day. Jesus was their close friend, their teacher, their Lord. They thought he was dead, they thought all their hopes and dreams had been shattered. Then the earth shook, the stone was rolled away, and the world-changing truth was revealed. He is risen. That transforms them. They go from mourners to worshippers. They respond to Jesus by getting on their knees in love and devotion. And then he sends them as first witnesses to the risen life. They go on as missionaries, as witnesses of all they have seen and heard. Heralds of Jesus, who was dead and is now gloriously alive. They offer us the challenge, will we be spectators or resurrection people? In Romans 6, Paul writes, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. It is possible to be a spectator to Easter, to enjoy the eggs and the flowers, the songs and the celebration, and then go away unchanged. Or, we can be participants. Like the first disciples, we can be transformed by meeting the risen Jesus. So, that's the introduction to the series. Sounds quite exciting, doesn't it? So, let's begin. And this morning, we're starting with thinking about renewing joy. I wonder, where do we find joy? Spending time with people I love, that brings me joy. Our family have just returned from spring harvest, and I know Bobby and Peter went the week before, and worshipping amongst 2,000 people, that brings me a lot of joy. Hopefully it doesn't bring me COVID either, but it brings me a lot of joy. (laughs) We'll see. Still testing negative, don't panic. And hearing about people coming to faith, that's amazing joy. So how about you? Where do you... Find joy. That's not a hypothetical question. Anybody want to shout out some ideas of where do you find joy? On a tandem. On a tandem. Brilliant. Yeah. Taking the dogs for a walk. Lovely. Taking the dogs for the walk. Yeah. Blossom of the
0: new, new leaves on the trees at
1: the moment. So blossom on the trees. Going to concerts. Yes. Brilliant. Loads of things bring us joy, don't they? How do you feel about joy, laughter, and happiness? For some Christians, these feel irrelevant, silly, childish, or pointless. We seem to forget that Jesus himself was filled with joy. If you want to look that up, it's Luke 10, 21. And that God's people laughed and sang happy songs. The first few verses of Psalm 126, for example, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamt. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Of course, there are some people that always seem happy and chirpy, Uh, Some of them you you might know, they remind me of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, you know, always bouncy and energetic, and I feel quite envious of of that energy. But as Christians, there seems to be a bit of an unwritten rule that we ought to be cheerful all the time. And some people will feel that expressing pain, sadness or grief is somehow inappropriate for a believer, forgetting that as well as the joy expressed that we have just talked about, Jesus wept, John 11. That all Christians continue to experience struggle in this life. Pain, sorrow, depression, disappointment, frustration, struggling with difficult circumstances. They're not unchristian. Jesus experienced and understands all these emotions. They aren't bad, they're human Genuineness and honesty to admit our emotions to each other and to ourselves and to share them with each other can lead to loving support. And Romans 12.15 says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who mourn. Following Jesus doesn't exempt us from difficult times. The Bible is full of people having awful times and we can read about a whole realm of human emotions that they experienced and God being involved in all of them. So in ignoring our range of feelings, we can end up living a bland beige middle ground, never fully allowing the deep mourning or exuberant happiness that are healthy human and holy emotions. When he's foretelling his death and resurrection in John 16, Jesus tells his disciples that they will experience weeping and mourning and that their grief will turn to joy. You can find that in John 16. This echoes Psalm 126 where it suggests that expressing sorrow is like sowing seed, which leads to a harvest of joy. So We're invited into both the sadness Of Good Friday and the wholehearted celebration of Easter. Our lives can echo both the cross and the resurrection, the weeping and the laughing. Feelings come and go, but joy can remain throughout. Because the concept of joy in the Bible isn't just about surface level, fleeting happiness although there is that too, but it is much deeper. Does anyone remember the old song? I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. where down in my heart. where Deep, deep down, yeah? Yeah. Some are looking absolutely <laughs> horrified. It's okay. My kids are mortified. So it's back, back in the days when we used to sing songs like that. So joy... It's a deep down thankfulness, gladness, sense of praise and delight in God that isn't shaken even when things around us might be going wrong. Rick Warren gave us this definition of joy. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. There are lots and lots of references to joy in the Bible. Maybe that can be your challenge this week, to look them up. So in our reading today, we see a whole range of emotions in Mary Magdalene. To begin with, she's weeping at having lost her Lord and her friend. All Jesus' followers must have felt utterly lost after Jesus died. Grief-stricken, defeated, fearful, disappointed, confused. What had it all been about? Now, what were they going to do? So in the early hours of the morning, when it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb. And found the stone rolled away. With John and Peter they discovered the truth, that Jesus was alive. It says in verse 9 they still didn't understand. Well you wouldn't, would you? It's not a common occurrence. They hadn't understood what had been said leading up to this point. And the men went back to where they were staying. But Mary stayed at the tomb and wept. She had an encounter with angels and then with Jesus himself, the risen Lord. And she's filled with irrepressible joy. This pattern happens in many of the resurrection encounters. Mourning turns to dancing. Tears to smiles. The resurrection is the truest source of lasting joy. It gives us a foretaste of what eternity with God will be like. Revelation 21 says, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amazing what fullness of joy we have to look forward to. However, until that time, we'll continue to live holding the tension of that joy with the realities of sadness, pain, pressures and struggles. The season of Easter invites us to embrace and express both. We can feel pretty bashed and battered with knocks from this life. But what a difference to know that Jesus is with us in it all by his spirit. It's his Holy Spirit that fills us with joy. Joy in the midst of sorrow or suffering. Joy in our daily activities. The joy of our salvation. Do you remember the initial joy of coming to know Jesus for the first time? I do. For me, I was 13, and although I'd been brought up in church, uh, so I had a solid solid foundation or a solid foundation, whichever, (laughs) when I came to know Jesus for myself, it was transformational. I'd been incredibly shy as a younger child, not just an introvert, but locked-in shyness to the point of clinging to my mum instead of being left at parties. I remember being taken home in utter disgrace because I wouldn't be left, I wouldn't stay. And the boys at secondary school cottoned on to my awful blushing, and they'd count to three under their breath, so cruel, and then all turned to stare at me at the same time and were delighted to see my blush, my face, turn this horrible beetroot colour from bottom to top. But, you know, within a few months of coming to know Jesus, I was standing on stage in front of my whole school in school assemblies sharing my faith. I'm still very much an introvert, but I'm no longer trapped by it. Coming to know Jesus for ourselves brings freedom and joy. And I know we'll all have our own stories to share, maybe over coffee, about that joy and that transformation of first coming to know Jesus for ourselves. Joy is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we can just muster up and grit our teeth and say, I will be joyful, although we do need to work in partnership with God on it. And there are times when we can choose joy because sometimes it's about being disciplined and actively looking for things to be joyful about and praising God for them. But it's when we're filled with God's Holy Spirit and living a Spirit-filled life that joy and all the other spiritual fruit is produced in our lives, often without our realising it. The fruit of the Spirit is an overflow of the work of God in us. When we're filled and fueled by him, we're renewed and we can function as we were made to be relying on his spirit within us and on his strength. So in order to know that deep down joy of God within us, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us and bring his joy to us. To demonstrate joy in our lives, we need to be asking for the constant refilling of the spirit so that we bear fruit and show God's nature through us bringing glory to him and pointing others to him. This joy, this gift of salvation and fruit of the spirit, it's not for us to keep for ourselves. It's to share. Who can we share our joy with? Well, we can, of course, encourage and support each other as church. That's really important. But there's so much despair and sadness in our world. It won't take us long to find someone who needs to know Jesus and his joy. A person at the bus stop, a friend, a family member, a neighbour, a work colleague, anyone and everyone. Let's take our joy and God's great news out. In Israel's returning from exile the rebuilding of the temple, and in re-establishing the nation, Nehemiah reminded the people that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Perhaps we need to be reminded of this today. Has our joy been dimmed of late? Do we need a top-up of God's Holy Spirit to restore us again and renew our joy? Let's ask God to refill us so that we're built up afresh to experience his joy within us and to share his joy with those around us. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have experienced and understand the whole range of human emotions just as we do. Lord, we come to you again this morning, bringing you our sorrows and our struggles knowing that you love us and accept us just as we are, knowing that you understand our circumstances and the things we find so difficult. We ask afresh for your joy. Would you remind us of the joy of our salvation? Would you bring us again the deep sense of the joy of knowing you? Would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit and stir up in us your joy? Would you equip us again to share your joy with those around us, those in despair who feel lost and those who need you? Thank you, Lord, for your joy. May we be resurrection people who can declare and live out that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen.
2: I want to spend a a little while now just continuing to respond to what Susan said, perhaps other things that have come in the service. And we all respond in different ways. Some of us like to respond in silence. Some of us like to respond through different songs. So I'm going to read a a contemplation big words, contemplative response, which you may want to listen to and think about as I read it, and I will read it quite slowly, and I'd suggest we remain sitting for that. Mary looked at Jesus, but she didn't recognise him. She mistook him for a stranger. A gardener someone who had carried Jesus away. Then he said her name. And suddenly her eyes were opened. Her sorrow turned to joy. Hopeless situation suddenly beamed with hope. The absent Jesus was suddenly present. Think about your daily life, your home, your job. A situation in your family or community. Is there a place where things feel hopeless? Where it feels like Jesus is absent? Picture that situation in your mind. How does it feel to be there? What are your questions to God in that place? Now, imagine that as you are in that place, Jesus speaks your name. He makes himself known to you. He shows you that he is in that situation. Where is Jesus in that place? How does he relate to you and the other people around you?